know, the NFL had the chance to do the right thing. I believe that the NFL was going to be on the right side of history for the first time ever. Unfortunately, the NFL did what the NFL does. The impact that they've had on Toronto FC, it, it's undeniable. I understand that you have to defend your quarterback. I understand that you just can't come out and, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want this Sean anyways. I understand. I get it. I have to do this because I have to appreciate it. Yes, and we're back. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Ray's Sports Rant. My name is Ray Rowe. And of course, it's Friday. We're recapping this whole weekend, this whole week of sports since we talked. Having a good time. And of course, we're part of the Dean Blundell Network over at DeanBlundell.com. It's a sports director's chair, baby. How y'all doing? TGIF, right? all my fellow Canadians, short week this week with Thanksgiving. My Americans, regular week for you. I'll tell you what, anytime I get on here on Friday and I can recap the week, it's a good week. So much happened this week. I started going through all the stories that I worked on and I was like, starting with last Saturday and onward, I mean, there was a whole lot of stuff. And we'll recap it in order, why don't we? Let's have a good time, shall we? Oh, man. Uh, so we do have a guest coming on around the 7 o'clock mark. Her name is Leslie. Uh, found her through one of our regular guests here on Ray Sports Rant, Kristen Kimmick. And uh, Leslie apparently is one of the co-founders of the term Bill's Mafia. And you know that's going to intrigue me. I'm a New England Patriots fan who hates the Buffalo Bills, but I love Bills Mafia. Everybody knows that. I think they're one of the greatest fan bases in the world. Loyal, fun, ecstatic to have Loudon Leslie and really just get to the bottom of this whole Bills Mafia craze. I can't promise that one of us isn't going to end up through a table, but, you know, it probably won't be me. So where do we start? Do we start with hockey? Do we start with the baseball game last week? Do we start with Alfonso Davies? Do we talk about Ian Cole being a sexual predator? Do we talk about the Bills and the Chiefs this weekend? Do we talk about the ass kicking they laid? Do we talk about Gibby and Batista calling the Texans gutless? Do we talk about Phil Mickelson thinking he's on the right side of history, not realizing that in very short order he's going to be irrelevant? I don't know. Let's start with the Blue Jay game last week. Now, I did do a post game. I don't usually go live on the weekends. I take the weekends off. However, after that 8-1 collapse, I just I had no choice. And, I mean, a week later, baseball playoffs and the postseason is rolling on. And, I mean, it's, it's all fun and games. It's all good. Good for us, you know. Over it. Focused on hockey, focused on soccer, focused on that kind of stuff. Basketball starting up in about a week. Raptors are wrapping up their preseason, I think, this week. They got a game tonight, 7 o'clock. I'll uh, be writing a piece about that for tomorrow. And I'll be honest with you, this thing of that 8-1 collapse, is it's gone now for me. Like, I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm really not. Like, it, it really is what it is. You know, the more and more, though, that I think about the Blue Jays, I think about Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. And uh, I went a little crazy about this on Saturday night during the post game, but I also had this conversation with my my dad on the weekend, and we were talking about the future of the Toronto Blue Jays, and we both said, like, let's just look at the Cleveland Guardians. Ask a fan in Cleveland how they felt about Mark Shapiro and what he brought to the table. And what you're going to get from Shapiro and from Atkins is you're going to get a team that's just not good enough. Probably be good enough to go to the postseason. Probably good enough that they'll fill up the Rogers Center. Good enough that Rogers is going to make money because that's the end goal. But are they ever going to spend 
enough money? Are they ever going to bring in the players that the Blue Jays really need in the postseason? Jordan Romano have to get six outs? I'll tell you one thing. There's been a lot of hate for John Schneider. And and I don't I don't buy it. I understand that people are, are frustrated that he took Gosman out in that sixth inning after he got two outs, and I totally get it. But I mean, listen, he's gonna learn from that mistake. And it was a mistake. Don't get me wrong. Schneider, he screwed up. And I think I think if he could take it back, he would. But after he took over for Charlie Montoya, I I don't think that there's any reason not to bring him back. I don't think that they should be on a hunt for manager. I don't think that they should give an opportunity for him to feel any bitterness that he doesn't want to be the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Because who knows if they're like, hey, man, we're going to explore options. There may be other teams out there that are like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll sign him. Took a team that was dwindling. Toronto Plot probably played the best baseball they played all season in September. Boba Shat was one of the best players in baseball throughout the month of September. I mean, historic numbers. And I think John Schneider, from everything we've seen, at least publicly, and with the players and how they sort of respond to him, he's a great manager. What the Blue Jays need to do is address the bullpen. Because that's the crux of the whole thing. And it, it, it again, I, I go back to the trade deadline. I go back to Atkins not doing anything. They bring in Whit Merrifield. We all knew that the Blue Jays bullpen had completely overachieved this year. And I mean, I was on the Dean Bondell show uh, talking about the playoffs right before they started. And the discussion that I had with them was like, I need, we need to be cautious about the Blue Jays bullpen because they completely overachieved and we don't really want to be relying on them in the biggest moments heading into the post or into the postseason. And that's exactly what they had to do. Not to John Schneider's fault. Even if Gosman would have got out of the six, they still would have had to have gone to the bullpen the next inning. Gosman was done after six. He played with fire both innings. He had bases loaded in the sixth inning, two men on, in scoring position in the in the fifth. It was time to get Gosman out. So they were going to have to go to the bullpen for seven and eight. And the bullpen couldn't get it done. You know, game one is what it is. You ran into Luis Castillo, who was just pitching lights out. That's going to happen. It happens in the postseason. I'm not going to turn around and blame the bats for this series. I'm not even going to blame the players around the field. I'm going to blame Atkins. I'm going to blame Shapiro for not doing what it took at the trade deadline. And they didn't do it because they didn't have faith in the team. They could pretend that they did, but they didn't. And I know I, I, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I think that that's bringing a lot of clarity because I've had a week now. I don't harbor wins or losses. Like, it's sports. Sports does not affect my life in any way. It affects my life, like, in the moment. But, like, I, I had to go to work the same way as everybody else. I had to write for the website. I had to go do my marketing job somewhere else. I had to do podcasts. I had to watch the Bills game. I had to watch Bayern. I had to talk about hockey, watch the Leafs games, write about that. I mean, you know, life goes on, people. But Ross Atkins and Mark Sproul didn't have faith in the team that they had. And because of that, they made no moves at the trade deadline. Teams like Seattle made moves. They went all in on Castillo. Now it looks like that they're on the brink of elimination now. The Astros are just, you know, they're pushing them. The Astros are the Astros are the best team in baseball. It probably would have happened to the Blue Jays too. We've got to see one more series. You know, I had Casey Stern on a few weeks ago, and he said that, you know, the Blue Jays could get to an ALCS, and if they were going to beat Houston, it would be in a five-game series. They wouldn't get to them in a seven. And if the Blue Jays could have got through Houston, I think they could have taken care of the Yankees or the Guardians or whoever they got to face moving forward into the ALCS. But, I mean, that's all if, what's, and that's. If, what's, and buts, I guess. 
And I want to stick to baseball. I don't know if you guys listen to uh, the Gibby Show, the Gibby Show Weekly. Uh, obviously, it's hosted by former Toronto Blue Jays manager John Gibbons, who was around in 2015 when the drought was finally broken in, in Toronto baseball. And, you know, he was the manager during the Jose Bautista bat flip. He was the manager when Edwin hit the walk-off against Baltimore. He got into a screaming match with Josh Donaldson. He was there for the Adore fight. He was there for all of that. And he brings on former and current Toronto Blue Jays. This week, he actually had... Um, Danny Jansen on there and very early, I think it was like the Tuesday after they had been eliminated on the, on the Saturday, uh, Jansen had a great interview, but the one that, so I was a week behind. So before I listened to that, I listened to the one from the week before when he was interviewing Jose Batista and they were setting up the postseason. And during that time, they got into the rivalry with the Houston Texans. And I mean, if you're a Toronto Blue Jay fan, if you're a Toronto sports fan, if you're a baseball fan, everybody remembers that seventh inning in 2015, right? Game's tied 2-2. Russell Martin goes to throw the ball back to the pitcher. I think it was Aaron Sanchez was on the mound at the time, if I'm not mistaken. It hits off of Chu's bat. As he throws it, it goes out of play. I think it was Odor who ran in and scored and made it 3-2. Everybody's calling it dead. They think it's just a dead ball. They get a rules check. No. Score counts. Top of the seventh inning. It's devastating at that point, right? Game five, winner take all. And then we began to watch the weirdest, most exciting, craziest inning of baseball that we ever watched. I mean, the Rangers got three outs and had no outs. Aldris made a, an error. There was an error at second. Odor. Bases loaded. Bloop single by Josh Al or by Josh Donaldson. Makes the game 3-3. Dalton Pompey, Mississauga boy comes on, pinch runs, takes out the catcher. Goes to review. They say there's no interference. Play that had to be made. Up comes Jose Bautista. And before we relive that moment, let's talk about what I heard on the Gibby show. Because there was a lot of animosity between the Blue Jays and between the Rangers. The Blue Jays players felt hurt. Here's what Bautista had to say about it. Chaos ensued, right? In the, yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? What do you got? I'll even take it back a little bit and, and start with the whole series. We were down 0-2, and I don't know if, if people remember that, but from our perspective as players, those guys were getting a little cocky. They beat us in the second game in Toronto. We lost the first two at home, and they were you know, celebrating on the field, stumbling over the, the railing there in the dugout. There were videos of them circulating in social media, wiping their behinds with you know our, our rally towels and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of took exception to some of those things. Again, these are, these are some of the things that happen in the background that maybe don't come out in, in the public. But so. So I love that the Blue Jays players were just getting all fired up about the the actions of the Rangers. So, of course, we all know what happens. Sam Dyson, ball in, Batista, home run, 5-3, bat flip. Fans are going nuts. Cameras are shaking. Bannisters kicking people out of the stadium. Garbage is coming onto the field. The melee starts at home plate because Edwin Encarnacion is trying to tell the crowd, hey, stop throwing things. Dyson takes exception to it. Boom, boom, boom. Jeff Bannister, we all know him, an instigator, crybaby, wanting to start fights, accomplish nothing with the Rangers. Roberto Ozuna comes in, save, game over, series over. Blue Jays go to the ALCS. They get knocked out to the Royals, who just played great baseball. Then you move into the next season. Rangers come to Toronto. Nothing happens. Jose Batista was ready to be hit. Then they go to Houston, three-game series, play two games, nothing. Jose Batista, final at bat, gets pinched. Gets hit, goes to first base, goes into second, slides hard, spikes up into a door. 
melee starts. Odor lands a huge right cross on Jose Bautista. And then they meet again. But before we get to what happened when they meet again, here's what Gibby and uh, Batista had to say, and uh, it's beautiful. And any Rangers fans out there, you're probably not going to like what they say, but Toronto fans, I mean, I think that Gibby and Batista, they don't hold back, and they say everything that we were thinking. What happened from your viewpoint? Well, let me start this off, Jose, and I'll let you run with it. Because after it happened, right, first off, nobody celebrated home runs more than the Texas Rangers. I don't, then, then and now, right? So, so it's a little bit. I think more of it's you know that they you know they coughed up the lead you know after up, being up two games and nothing. But I can remember talking to Hosey because it became, you know, became such a uh, an issue. Well, the bat flip, the bat flip, right? Hey, how about nowadays, man? If you don't flip the bat, something's wrong, right? You know what, Hosey? Right. But so I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember talking to him saying, and you told me, said, you know what? They're probably going to drill me next year. You know what? And you, you're gonna you'll take it and you'll go to first base. I remember you telling me that. So so we go into that season, we play. Okay, everybody's kind of expecting it. I, nobody agreed with it, but then okay, you do it. Then we'll see what happens after that, right? So we play them at four games at home. Nothing happens, right? Okay. Then we then we go down to Texas for three games set. Nothing happens till the last game. That was I didn't last like game didn't last at bat. Yeah. So to me, that was, and I said that, that was gutless. You know what? If, because the, you know, people talk about the etiquette of the game or the unwritten rules. Yeah. But there is some that matter. If you, if you don't like something, let's go do it. You know what? Then, then, you know, the other team settles or what have you. But the fact that you wait that way and, and you got a guy that wasn't even on that team that year that throws hard, I thought it was gutless. And I, and I won't change my mind on that. And you know what? We ended up getting the last laugh in 16. But go ahead. What, what was your take on all that? No, uh, I'll start off the same. And, we played them seven times and nothing happened to the last at bat, knowing that, you know, we're probably not going to get a chance to retaliate, which is, you know, gutless in, in, in your words. And I agree. Um, but definitely. <laughs> I love, I'm going to tell you right now, I love John Gibbons and Jose Batista calling him gutless because we all know what it is. We all know that that was the case. We all know. Yeah, whatever. We all know what the Rangers did. So they meet up again in October. Three-game series. Blue Jays up 2-0 in the series in Toronto. I think it's the ninth inning, tenth inning, tenth inning maybe. Russell Martin hits a ball that should have been a double play. Hard slide at second, gets away at first. Donaldson in from third. Blue Jays win. Bannister challenges, doesn't win, calls him safe. And just one of the greatest signs I've ever seen in history. I'd rather be punched in May than knocked out in October. And that was a hell of a rivalry. I mean, it got heated between the, the Blue Jays and the Royals the next season during the regular season as well in 2016. But, I mean, that... You play them twice in the playoffs, right? The Rangers, you have the bat flip in 15. You got the spikes during the regular season in 16. You got the punch. And then out comes the Blue Jays on top and victorious. And uh, neither team won a World Series. Anyways, I highly suggest you go watch the Gibby Report. It's one of the, or the Gibby show. It's just such a great show. If you're a, If you are a Toronto Blue Jay fan, it's an, it's, you can't miss it. And it's funny because you heard it. I mean, you heard the way he was there. But when you think of a podcast and you try to imagine, like, what would a John Gibbons podcast sound like? I'm telling you right now, it sounds exactly the way you think it would. And it was phenomenal. Uh, we're going to get into the Leafs here in just a second, but I want to talk a little bit about Phil Mickelson. Uh, Phil Mickelson, because the live is in Saudi Arabia, and Phil Mickelson was interviewed about you know the live versus the pga and basically phil mickelson came out and said that the pga will never be what it is again and you know live is going up the tour is going down and you know he's happy to be on the right side he thinks he's on the right side of the fight and uh, any old school wrestling fans especially the you know the monday night wars fans will remember when everybody thought over on the wcw side that they were on the right side until you know vince mcmahon and the wwf absolutely destroyed them now, let me start right here by I have no problems with there being two golf leagues. There could be 10 golf leagues for all I care. I'm not a big golf fan. 
I watch the majors like everybody else. It'd be great to see all of the you know best players in the world playing in the majors. And I know Live Golf is is trying to get there and trying to get into the rankings and whatever. But I also think that you know if you go take the money from the Live and take the guaranteed money, where winning and losing doesn't matter, you're getting paid regardless. Um, then give up on the regular tour events. Give up on trying to get into what have always been traditional tour events and just set your own majors, make your own majors up and and, and compete. Here's the thing about Phil Mickelson, though. First of all, I'm not a Phil Mickelson fan. Number two, in my opinion, Phil Mickelson has always compared himself to Tiger Woods. And Phil Mickelson was always a great supporting co-star in Tiger Woods' movie. He was the protagonist who really couldn't beat Woods. Good old lefty Phil. And I'm a lefty, too, so I got no problems with lefty golfers. But as you see more and more of the better players moving over to the Live Golf, and I mean, it's true, right? At some point, Live is going to realize they don't need Mickelson. At some point, they're going to realize that Phil Mickelson is nothing but a washed-up has-been. He doesn't bring the same cachet as Tiger Woods, who shut you down for a lot of money to stay with the tour. And as Mickelson tries to be the face of golf, at some point, Liv is going to be realized we don't have to pay him this kind of money because we got better golfers. He's had a top 10 finish once, top 20 finish once, sorry, twice. He's been in the top 20 twice, including that top 10 finish. And then he's been at the bottom end of the top 40 every other tournament since he's joined Liv. Phil Mickelson is washed up. Phil Mickelson is no longer a good golfer. He's an old man. I think he was 45 years old, something like that. 52? I have no idea. Probably ready for the senior tour, to be honest with you. And trust me, they're not, there's going to be no, no much, much more need for Phil Mickelson. And he's going to find himself out in no man's land because based on everything I hear, I don't think Phil's ready to stop golfing. But he's not going to be eligible to go to the tour. Liv isn't going to want to pay him astronomical money just to be a face that nobody cares about. My only issue with the live in the PGA as a non-golf fan is I wonder if you're splitting the audience and that golf just dies in general. You know, sometimes competition can can create that controversy. Competition can create people picking sides or watching both and who did it better. But at the end of the day, it's golf. It's golf. Yeah, I watch majors. If I find out Tiger Woods is doing well and has a chance to win a tournament, I'll tune in because he's Tiger. Besides that, I don't care. And putting more golf on TV is not going to make me tune in to be a golf fan. I've never watched a live tournament since it started. Not out of some weird morals or anything like that. I just don't care. And it's weird because I don't know. I don't know a lot of golf fans. Like, I know they exist. If they didn't exist, they wouldn't be paying this kind of money for these kind of, you know, organizations and tournaments and that type of thing and and the sponsors involved. And, and, and I'm a golfer, so it's not like I'm against the game. I golf all summer. I love golf. Such a great game. Such a great sport to play. So boring to watch. It's like curling. I never played curling, so I don't know if it's fun to play, but I definitely don't like watching it. I don't like golf. And I think having the players split just makes me not want to watch it anymore. It's weird. Just my opinion, though. Take it for what it is. I uh, don't forget about 15 minutes. We're going to be joined by Leslie, one of the co-founders of the term Bill's Mafia. And I got a lot of questions. I want to know how she came up with it. I want to know how the name has fostered the fan base. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, all that kind of good stuff. But uh, let's talk about this. Toronto Maple Leafs season started, right? They're one and one on the season. Dropped the home or dropped the season opener in Montreal to the Habs. Was it like 19 seconds left in the game? The Habs take the win. They beat the Capitals last night. My biggest takeaway? Well, I've written two stories about the Leafs since the season started. One was about Matt Murray. One was about Eli Sim Samsonov. 
And I think Kyle Dubas has to be sitting in his office right now, freaking the F out about putting all of his eggs into the baskets of Matt Murray and Eli Samsonov. Where do I start? Samsonov. Samsonov. Whatever. Samsonov. Let's call him Samsonov. Let's start with Matt Murray, though. So, I mean, the book is out on him, right? Shoot high. Because clearly he can't catch. You can beat him short side, far side, any side. Just shoot high, and you're going to score on Matt Murray. That's a problem, people. Matt Murray is supposed to be your guy. Matt Murray is supposed to be the guy that is going to take you to that promised land. I, I wrote. I mean, the title of my the title of my blog this morning was if the Blue Jays had, or sorry, if the Toronto Maple Leafs had uh, reliable goaltending, they'd be almost a perfect team. And I understand Sheldon Keefe came to his goalie's defense yesterday. I think he said something along the lines of like, you know, they hung him out to dry. And the Leafs did give up the puck a few times, causing rushes the other way. And I'm not saying that they're all bad goals, but I'm concerned about him not being able to stop a high shot. Like, the glove is a problem. It really is a problem. If you're going to be a goalie, and I'm coming from a as a as a goalie, not an NHL goalie, but as a guy who played goalie, you got to know how to catch. It's an important part of the game. You know, heading into the season, I said that William Nylander was the best player on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And or not the best player, the best preseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the fact that he scored on uh, Wednesday night was probably the least surprising outcome of that game. It was a good goal too. And I think a lot of you who watch regularly or read my stuff regularly understand that like it's been like 10 years since I've consistently watched hockey. And now that I moved into the sports director role and I'm doing race sports rant, I'm kind of learning, you know, I'm having to learn a little bit about, you know, some certain things. And I kind of had my, my preseason. So I've watched a lot of leaf film. I watched all the preseason games. I've been getting myself back up to speed. What's going on in the NHL. And I've been super impressed with William Nylander. Like I understand like Austin Matthews is like the headliner. And I'll also say, like, Willie got a lot of playtime during the preseason. So it's not like he didn't have the opportunity, but he took advantage of the opportunity. And that's what I thought was the best about it. That's what I really thought was was the coolest part of the whole thing is that he took, took advantage of it. And listen, I understand, like, Austin Matthews gets all, it gets mostly all of the attention for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I want to move on to somebody else because I absolutely love watching Mitch Marner play hockey. And I, I had this observation on, on Tuesday night, but like he never stops moving ever. And he's so strong on the puck. You know, if you look at Wednesday night, his, his movement, his puck control, it led to the Michael Bunting goal, the goal that opened up the scoring for the Leafs this season. Love his footwork, love his stick work. You know, Griff and I discussed it on Tuesday, how good it was. And, and I mean, I stand by everything that we said. Like Marner is a hockey player's hockey player. I think he's everything that you want in a player. Sucks at the least lost. But, of course, they played last night. They had a chance to bounce back against the Washington Capitals. Eli Samsonov uh, was scheduled, was the, between the pipes, playing off against his old team. And I think people were hoping that he would bounce back and the Leafs did come away with a win. But, like I said, if the Leafs had reliable goaltending, they'd be an almost perfect team. They won 3-2. But, I mean, if you look at a lot of the stat lines and stuff, I mean, Jesus. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, even though it was only the second game of the season, like, I saw Twitter Wednesday night. I saw Twitter Thursday during the day. I even saw Twitter when it was 2-2. Two, two. 
on Thursday night when they were playing Washington and Leafs Nation just a little unsettled, right? I think everybody thought they were going to go into Montreal and just and just steamroll the Canadians. And you know the Canadians, I mean, didn't win a game in the preseason. The Leafs took care of them in the preseason. The Leafs looked so good in that final game against Detroit, and I just don't think anybody was really ready to. I don't know. People are just shook about it. And I know this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous because I'm talking about game two of the NHL season, but it almost felt like it was a must win for Toronto. Didn't it? Like, didn't it almost feel like they needed to win the game? Like, I don't know if Leafs fans could have handled losing two games in a row to start this season. And I mean, when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, without a shadow of a doubt, they are the most talented team in the NHL. But I'm not going to lie. Like, I am severely concerned about the Leafs goaltending situation. Two games into the season. And I'm trying not to overreact. I'm really not, but I'm concerned about it. Like, Matt Murray can't stop a high shot. And Eli Samsonov let in two soft goals in the first period last night. And, you know, like, as I said, if the Leafs had reliable goaltending, like, they would be an almost perfect team. Almost. And, like, I was willing to let the first goal go. It was a nice pass. It was a bit of a one-timer. Nylander got caught kind of watching. The defense wasn't there for him. It happens, right? I get it. But the second goal that Washington scored, I mean, it was atrocious. The shot was, like, from out beyond the, the face-off circle. It trickled through him. It was like, oh, God, it was horrible. Like, you watch a, a play like that, all you can do is groan because it's just gross. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I've talked about this all offseason. Kyle Dubas built what was is probably one of the best teams to ever don a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. The best team to ever don it. But his goaltending decisions are going to be his legacy. His The goaltending decisions are going to be whether or not he has a job at the end of this year or whether or not they just let the contract go. Goaltending's an issue. It's a big one. Let's talk about this game a little bit more. And don't forget about five minutes. We're going to be joined by Leslie, one of the co-founders of the term Bill's Mafia. And uh, we're going to get into some Buffalo Bills talk, especially around the fan base. The Bills Mafia. But let's finish up talking about this Leaf game, talking about what we saw last night. And listen, it really doesn't matter what sport you play. We all know that. When you are a good team, as the Toronto Maple Leafs are, you will find a way to win the game. We've seen it with teams like the New England Patriots. We're now seeing it with the Buffalo Bills. You're seeing it with the Kansas City Chiefs. Good teams win. Last night, the Leafs had the unfortunate um, luck of having to run into Charlie Lindgren. The Leafs put 39 shots on the Capitals last night. Sorry, 41 sh- or 42 shots on the Capitals last night. Lindgren saved 39. And I'm going to say, man, like Toronto had some quality shots. Right, because like sometimes, and we see it all the time in hockey, like the shot statistics can be crazy misleading. Like a team puts a ton of shots up, but there's no quality there. Like you're choosing quantity over quality and hoping something can go through. Like the Leafs had some quality opportunities. But like when you talk about like winning, right? Like Michael Bunting had an opportunity wide open in front of the net bouncing along the net. I mean, the net, it's it's 10 feet wide to score, and he can't get a stick on it. And then the game winner is a little bit of a fluke, right? Mark Giordano flicks the shot, kind of weak from the blue line. 
I mean, at first when you see go in, like you kind of see Lindgren kind of get all like he, he he scrunches up, his hands in front of his face, and you think like how that how did he score from out there on that shot? And then well, Austin Matthews stick in the air deflection. I think it also bumped off of somebody's hip in the net. That's what happens, right? Because a win's a win. That's all you're looking for. You're looking for the two points, right? Good teams know how to win. A lot of positives to take away from the game. But I don't disagree with what Sheldon Keefe said, like especially after that Thursday game. The Leafs need to clean up a lot of those turnovers, especially in that neutral zone. Uh, even like in deep in their like in the offensive zone, they give it up and they let on these these odd man rushes. It can't happen. You know, I would and I would say against the Capitals, even though I think they were the better team for the whole game. I mean, there was times they got caught flat-footed in in their own defensive zone. They got caught flat-footed in the offensive zone. But ultimately, they're such a great team. It was a good team win. I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm worried about the Leafs goaltending, man. It's just, it's not good. And uh, we're a couple of minutes away here from being joined by Leslie, the co-founder of the Bills Mafia. And uh, she's got a gig tonight. She's also a singer in a band, and she will be uh, she'll be joining us very very shortly. And we're going to ask her about you know being a co-founder of Bills Mafia. I, I think it's a really really solid, really really cool thing. And um, I, I guess I should shout out as we're waiting for uh, everybody. Keep an eye out uh, on the website and and for other things because this Sunday Dean and I are heading up to. The Bills Helmet Bar in Keswick, Ontario, to go see Rick and Blake. We'll be hanging out with them, taking in the Bills and Chiefs, uh, doing some interviews, having some fun here. So I think it's going to be a really good time. So anybody who's in the area, they say that they're going to have like a shit ton of people there. And uh, they got like KC ribs. And I've already told them I'm wearing a Patriots jersey. So should be a good time. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for everybody who's tuning in here. Uh, we've been going here for about 40 minutes. I think we're all caught up on uh, on Toronto News. I'm really, really excited here because uh, I, I can't remember. I think I was interviewing uh, Kristen Kimmick, and while making fun of her outfit, which I will make fun of for the rest of my life, uh, I found out that uh, she knows one of the co-founders of the term Bill's Mafia, and as I stated at the top of the show, and as I stated on almost every show, you guys know, I hate, hate, hate the Buffalo Bills, but I love, love, love the Bills Mafia. So it's a love-hate relationship we have here. And uh, I reached out to, to Leslie, and I was like, hey, would you come on the show? She was like, yes. So you can follow her on Twitter at LeslieAnn94, and with an E. Uh, I think I said that right. I hope I'm right. I think that's right. Leslie Ann 94. She's nodding yes. So you guys can't see her yet. I can. Uh, so she is, uh, again, the co-founder of Hashtag Bills Mafia and the Buffalo uh, fan base. Uh, she is the treasurer of the Bills Mafia babes, which I know my audience is now very, very aware of. Uh, she's also a singer. I mean, everything that she does. And, uh, and she's actually joining us from a gig tonight. The DTO show. Ladies and gentlemen, Leslie Weil? Willie Weil? Willie. Willie. Willie, Leslie, how <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you got a gig tonight. Where can people find you? Can you announce it where you're going to be? So then go. Watch yeah, the we're at a Peak and Peak Resort. It's a nice little ski resort out up here, close to where I live. Peak and Peak Resort is that? In, yep. Is that a new? Is that in New York? Is that like New York? New York, State? yes. New York State, yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, okay. So thank you so much for coming on. So I need to talk to you. It's your fault that people go through tables. That's what I'm starting to learn now. Right? <laughs> it, I can't, I can't take credit for that part. <laughs> okay. So what does it entail being the co-founder of Bill's Mafia? So how do you sit there, look at your fan base, which as I said, I absolutely love. How do you look at it? Come up with those because like, I mean, I'm a Patriots fan. We're Patriots nation. Everybody's a nation. Right. Everybody, it's Pats Nation, Raider Nation, Charger Nation, you know, Colts Nation. Like, I'm so <laughs> sick of nation. Right. Right. Um, how do you come up and be like, man, forget all these nations. Like, we're the mob. Like, we're the Bills Mafia. How does that come to your head? <laughs> and who's your co-founder who did it with you? I guess. I should yeah. Say. 
So uh, the co-founders are myself, uh, Del Reed and Brian Harris. Del lives in Buffalo. Um, a lot of people know him from his business, which is 26 Shirts. Um, Brian lives in Virginia Beach. And the three of us actually met online on Twitter before we ever met in person. Um, we became friends. And Bill's Mafia was kind of an accident. Um, it wasn't something we actually sat down and, you know, thought about and thought, let's coin this term for the fan base. Um, <clears throat> it actually came about when uh, Stevie Johnson, you know, what was it, like 10, 11 years ago, dropped that game-winning pass in the end zone. And people on Twitter were, were really coming after him in a really personal way, making personal threats to him and his family. It got really, really ugly. And the three of us, along with, you know, a small group of other people, were kind of hammering back on them, like, hey, at the end of the day, these are human beings. You know, they're, they're people, and they're playing this sport for our entertainment. Um, you know, it's, it's a game, and, and they're humans, and they're going home to their families, and let's treat them as such. So that kind of spiked and died down. And you know how Twitter moves. It moves fast, right? The news moves fast on Twitter. So it spiked, it died down. And the next day, maybe a day and a half later, Adam Schefter retweeted it and kind of stirred everything up again. Um, <laughs> so we were kind of poking a little fun at his expense, um, tweeting out things like man discovers fire with the hashtag Schefter breaking news stuff like that. Uh, and it went on for a little while and he actually blocked a good number of us. Um, I had some good conversations with him back and forth in DM, but he, he blocked a pretty good uh, portion of us that were doing it. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. It was a joke. You know, it was like, you know, these players, we, we treat them like they're part of our family. Um, we're going to stand up for them and, and we're like the mafia. We're like the mafia of the bills. We're the bills mafia. No, I think it's so cool, and I'm so happy we can have this conversation because I'm actually friends with um, a, a Kansas City Chiefs content creator who's actually the guy who created Legion of Zoom, and oh, nice. uh, he's one who coined it, and then the, you know the players found out, and and they ran with it, and it blew up, and uh, he oh. actually won an he won an Emmy. He's from Britain, and he won an Emmy because the Chiefs did a video about the Legion of Zoom, and he was in it and won an Emmy for the for his oh, taking it. So, so cool! <laughs> yeah. So shout out to him, uh, my boy Brad. He was on with me a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah. I I so I hate Chiefs fans, just so you know. Like I hate them with a passion, <laughs> and he's the only Chief fan. Him and a couple other, but he's like the only Chief fan that I will associate in person with. That's the <laughs> he's the only one I'll talk to. <laughs> So let me talk to you about the Buffalo Bills fan base because so I'm from Toronto. I'm from the 416, not the 716, but I'm from the 416. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm in Buffalo Bills country up here, right? I would say the Bills yeah. fan base is number one. Miami Dolphins are number two. I'd say the Patriots are number three. Steelers are four. That's sort of the four big teams that we cheer for here. It's the melting pot. I think the Bills learned a few years ago in the Toronto series that they're not all Bills fans. It wasn't filled up with, with Bills fans. But you also gave us the shittiest games. I mean, they're like, well, why can't we fill the stadiums? Like, well, stop sending the jets you know yeah, and, and yeah. maybe more maybe more people will show up and maybe don't charge like 300 dollars for you know 500 level tickets when i can just drive to buffalo and get them for 12 bucks at that time um but the bills fans in toronto are not like the bills fans in buffalo at least they don't act like the bills fans in buffalo um i'm going up to the bills helmet bar i'm not sure if you're familiar with with blake and rick and them i mean i'm yeah, sure there's gonna be no table jumping this weekend dean and i will be up there eating kansas city ribs and enjoying the game with them and i'm wearing a tom brady patriots jersey just to piss everybody off right that's what i do <laughs> i'm actually jealous i've never gotten up there i'd love to you should come so listen uh, this winter at some point probably after the season because i have to wait until Kristen finishes her world tour of of where, where the <laughs> buffalo bills play i'm gonna have like a big creators meetup and that type of thing so you should tag along come on up and we'll have a big awesome. party in toronto i'll host you guys all and we'll have a big party down up here um it's not even like up here for you guys. It's like across the street, right? So, um, <laughs> but but then I go to you know I go to Buffalo or I watch Buffalo and um, you know in preparation preparation for the show I literally just put Bills Mafia into YouTube and it just I mean it's people going through uh, tables on fire. It's guys full out power bombing their girlfriends through tables. It's crushed beer cans. It's um, and, and they're not all table jumpers. I mean, that's the reputation, but there's this passion 
at those tailgates and in things, even on, my, on Twitter, you know, like, it's like, Hey, everybody, it's my birthday. Can I get a go bills? Like we don't see that in the Patriots fan base. My <laughs> co-host on the, who's got next podcast producer, Mike actually made the greatest point two weeks ago. He said, Hey man, he said, Patriot fans stick together when they're winning, you know? And, um, and when we lose, we fall apart at the seams and we have look at our fan base. It has fallen apart. Talk to me about that atmosphere. So, I mean, you've, you've did a, I, you're obviously not in Kansas city this weekend, but you've done some yeah. traveling. Um, clearly I saw the stupid picture of you. I promised I wouldn't share it, so, but <laughs> I will hold it. Don't piss me off, Leslie, or it's going up, All right. but All right. noted, <laughs> but, um, you know, so you've done some traveling, you followed around, you've been a part of that, those takeovers in those stadiums. Just talk to me about being a Bills fan because like, I'm so intrigued by the culture of Bills Mafia. And like I said, I love it because I hate the team, but your fan base deserves what you're getting right now. You deserve Josh Allen. You deserve the, the, the winning and the success that you're having. I don't want you to win a Super Bowl, but if you win one, I'll be happy for you because you deserve it. Tell me about being a Bills fan. You stuck through so many terrible years, like terrible oh, yeah. years, a 20-year drought, or I think it was 17 years in total drought uh, from the playoffs. Yeah. Now you've got arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it's probably 1-1A one one with him and Patrick Mahomes, and I mean nobody is close after that. Just tell me how it feels being a Bills fan through the bad times and now moving into the good times and being just as crazy throughout the whole the whole period. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think um Bills Mafia during that drought, during, you know, when we were you know, most of us have season tickets here and we're going to all these games and we're sitting through just the most miserable games and the most miserable weather. And I think Bill's Mafia kind of gave people something to grab onto and be a part of. Um, and it was just like this commiseration of, you know, we're all in this together and we're sticking it out. And here we are. <laughs> it's a little surreal right now. Like I'm still trying to wrap my head around how good this team is right now. Yeah, you guys are, are super good. You're my Super Bowl picks too, by the way. So the, the nice. Detroit's already made me look stupid because I picked them to make the playoffs. So the Bills need to make me look smarter uh, by picking them because <laughs> I just, I don't, the Chiefs are the only obstacle in the way. If you get through the Chiefs, and I don't mean week six, Mafia, this game means nothing except for maybe seeding. Right. I mean, in the postseason when it matters, if you get through the Chiefs, it doesn't matter who they throw you in the NFC, the Bills are going to absolutely stomp them. It's not even going to be a good Super Bowl. Um, I want to talk a little bit about about uh, Bill's Mafia charity because um, I, I want, I'm want i going to give you my take on it and I want you to um, tell me if I'm right or not. But as ruthless and as greasy and as what other, other adjective other fan bases want to throw out about the Buffalo Bills, you guys are the greatest trolls in the world, right? Because you could go <laughs> on Twitter and you could talk shit. You could go on Twitter and or Facebook or whatever and, and taunt and this and that. But you guys are like, you know what? We're gonna donate money to this kid's charity. We're gonna, and I don't mean like when you did it for Josh Allen. I mean like the Lamar Jackson concussion fund. You know what I mean? Uh, the two of fun after. So you and I became familiar with each other because of my interaction with what I will now call a mutual friend, because of her interactions with douchebags on Twitter, and I just mm -hmm. happened to see a tweet and had a you know had a moment, flipped out, and here I am. Right here we are now. It's all accumulated to this. Yep. And the very next week, there's you guys, especially the Bills, you know, Bills, they Bills Mafia Babes. Sorry, I say it wrong every time. I apologize. Bills Mafia Babes. <laughs> there you guys are leading the charge to donate it to his charity. Um, is it really because you guys have these big, huge open hearts? Or is this like, have you guys just found the greatest troll in the world? Because how can anybody get upset at you for donating a charity? It's hard to argue with, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, like I said, you know, I, I think we just realized that at the end of the day, um, these are human beings. They're people just like you and me. Um, and we have to care about people, right? Like what else is there? We have to care about people. Um, 
philanthropy is something that's always been uh, really near and dear to me, really important. I, that's actually what I do in my professional life too. Um, you know, and I'm sure some people are motivated by trolling, but if some good comes out of it, why not? It's always a good troll, right? So I tried to jump on that with you guys too and rile up Pat's Nation and be like, let's go. And I'd like two people follow because we're just like, we're, just, <laughs> we're such a shitty fan base. I say it all the time. We all, we're, we're, we're awful to each other. We're awful to other people. We're just, we're just awful in general. Um, I know you got to warm up your voice. I know you got a, a gig coming up. I think you said you go on stage at eight o'clock. Is that when you, when you kick uh off? Nine o'clock, and I, I actually it was like almost an hour drive here for me, so I warmed up the whole way in the car. Oh, beauty. Okay, so I don't want <laughs> I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do I do have a couple more questions if I can. Yeah. Um, and as I I talked there, I totally slipped my head what the hell I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. Now here's my question. So here's not a question, but here's um, and I think you deleted the tweet, and I was so disappointed. So I am a part of uh, another podcast called the Who's Got Next podcast, and our social media manager over there got a little bit smart. And you absolutely tore him a new asshole. And I laughed so hard. And before I could <laughs> screenshot it, I think you deleted the tweet. I love you. I just want you to know that. I just wanted to put oh, that on the table. You. I just, I, <laughs> I laughed so hard. Um, he wasn't paying attention to what was happening in the world and decided to, to say something. And, um, sometimes I go rogue and they have no idea what I'm doing. And this was like the whole thing with Kristen and all that was me going very rogue and, and just, you know, and I got suspended twice that week. You know what I mean? Oh just going, going crazy at people. You say douchebag enough times you're going to get suspended. Let's just put it on the table. <laughs> so, but when I watched him, when I just watched you, when I like warned that I was going to get suspended and I just watched you tear into him on his stupid joke. I just want to say like, absolutely. I love that so much. <laughs> um bills chiefs this weekend um i had a good conversation with some bills creators this week we we're discussing because there's been a 50 50 number one i need to clear something up because i haven't been on since then um for the douche sorry for the guy who somehow interpreted me as a kansas city chiefs fan oh i um, saw that yeah i was like i'm a new england patriots fan who covers the buffalo bills and somehow you got out of that that i'm a kansas city Chiefs fan so anyways dude um stop tweeting at me please if you're listening to this right now please stop tweeting at me i'm not gonna respond to you i don't care okay so <laughs> got that out of the way chiefs bills how does this is this game because i know bills mafia is like split. You got half the fan base like this is revenge. The other half is like this is week six. Where does this sit for you? Is this a revenge game for you, or is this just like week six? Get the better seating. I don't want to go back to Arrowhead in the playoffs. You got to come to whatever the hell your stadium is now. It's not New Air anymore, right? Uh, whatever the Wind Bowl, we'll call it. You know, or do you want to come down? <laughs> That's accurate. The Wind Bowl is accurate. Yeah, and come yeah. down to the Wind Bowl in Buffalo. Like, what does this week mean to you as a Bills fan? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a revenge game. Um, it's a test, I think, for sure. You know, Kansas City is a good team. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out. I think it's going to be a great game. If you're going to make a prediction right now, and I'm going to put you on the spot, who are you going to predict? What What's your score prediction? And how many like and and Oof. how many how many yards is Josh Allen going to throw for this week? Because I mean, he threw for 400 last mm -hmm. week and didn't play the fourth quarter. So come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be at least 400 yards again. And I'm going to say 31-27 Buffalo. I love it. So Chiefs fans are furious right now because they've been doing all the head-to-heads and they keep giving Buffalo the advantage at quarterback. And as we all know, Wonder Boy over in Kansas City was supposed to be the face of the NFL. And I think Josh Allen is slowly but surely taking over that piece. Um, bias aside... Bias aside, get your 17 jersey off. Okay. Who's who's the better quarterback, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I'm going to say it's Josh, but it's uh, by a margin. It's, you know, Mahomes is fantastic. He's a great quarterback. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not. <laughs> what gives Josh that little edge over, over Patrick? That's a good question. Um I don't know. It's, it's honestly, it's probably my bias talking. Um, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, 
<laughs> no, that's I'm all right. Biased. That's okay. I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL too. So I'll put that on the table. Um, so it's not just bias, and I hate your team. I, so. I know the argument is always, you know, he doesn't have a championship, but just wait. Just wait. You know, yeah, anyways, neither is Dan Marino, and he's, a, in my opinion, a top-five quarterback of all time. So let's just – we'll just leave it there. Um, listen, um, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you warm up, but I do want um, – talk about the Bills Mafia babes a little bit. <laughs> Uh, what you guys do it's really good i know we have chris and talks about it every week but give a different perspective on it you guys do a lot of good work and i think the more we can talk about it the better that's awesome thank you yeah um so bill's mafia you know a, a lot of people don't know this actually bill's mafia was a 501c3 nonprofit organization and we raised a lot of money for um, roswell park for carly's club at roswell park cancer institute here in buffalo um, as well as you know various other causes um, when the Bills took over that name a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2020, um, that charitable work kind of fell off because of that. Um, and then along comes Bills Mafia Babes, which Kristen had started a few years before, and she started it in response to, as you said, all the douchebags online who just... Um, make it uh, really difficult for women to talk about this game and this sport uh, without coming under a lot of harassment. So she started this private Facebook group um, and threw like 20 of us in there and it just grew by leaps and bounds. I think we're at like 23,000 women in this group now. Um, so when the charitable work kind of fell off with Bill's Mafia after the organization itself took over that name, um, we kind of brought it over to Bill's Mafia Babes and we made that a 501c3 and we've continued the work there. So we partner with um, a different player each month, a different Bill's player, uh, sometimes coaches. Um, we've worked with Brandon Bean and we drive money each month to their, whether it's their own foundation, their own cause, a cause that's near and dear to their heart, you know, something along those lines. And then other things throughout the community as the needs arise as well. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to Leslie Willie. You can find her on Twitter at LeslieAnn94. We owe her a, a happy belated birthday, according to Twitter. Her birthday was <laughs> October 4th. So uh, happy birthday. Again, she's the treasurer of the Bills Mafia. Babes, she is the co-founder of hashtag Bills Mafia. Um, and the Bills Mafia Bailey says does a lot of great work, a lot of philanthropy stuff. It's an organization that we support here on the Dean Bundell Network and will continue to support here on the network. Um, and we will continue to have your back the same way we have Kristen's. And I'll say any other uh, Bills Mafia babe out there that's being harassed by the douchebags of social media as you try to talk about <laughs> sports, we got you. One last time, you got a gig tonight. Where can You're on at 9 o'clock. Where can people find it if they're looking for something to do? Yeah, we're at nine on at nine o'clock at Peak and Peak Ski Resort. Awesome. Thank you so much, Leslie. I hope you can come back again. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Good night. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Leslie Willie. That was a great conversation. I love when people can uh I love the stories behind the stories. I love how things come to be. And I love the Bills Mafia Babes organization. I love Leslie. I love Kristen. I think they're doing such good work. Um, I think it's unfortunate how we met, but I think it's fortunate how it's ending, if that makes sense to everybody. Um, so thank you so much to Leslie for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to all of you who uh, stuck around. <laughs> Alfonso Davies did not play for Bayern Munich this week. He's got a blue bruised cranium. Uh, it wasn't a concussion. It looks like he should be good to go for Qatar, which is um, a relief for Soccer Canada, relief for Canadian soccer fans. But I think more importantly, sometimes, especially when it comes to head injuries, we have to think about the player and their well-being. Uh, didn't get to the Raptors talk today, but uh, Raptors play tonight. Do check out uh, the Dean Blundell site tomorrow, DeanBlundell.com. I'll be writing about the Raptors uh, preseason game tonight. And, uh, you know, we never got to a couple of the bigger stories, which I wish we could have. And that was Ian Cole, who's being accused of being a disgusting groomer and sexual predator. Uh, you can check out my article there where I write all about that douchebag. And uh, speaking of douchebags, I write all about Brett Favre. 
Um, because after knowingly accepting dirty money, Brett Favre wants to set the record straight. He's the victim. Uh, find all of those stories over on teamblendell.com. Just look on the sports section, click on Ray Route. You'll find all my articles. I posted a lot this week. Uh, stay up to date with everything else. Thanks so much for tuning in to Ray Sports Rant. Uh, follow me on Twitter at D or sorry at DPN underscore Ray. Uh, follow the uh, company account at DBlendell, uh Net. And uh, give our follower a follow at It's Dean Blundell. Make sure you give everybody a follow, and that will be over there. Uh, I will be back next week live on uh, the internet. And until next time, never forget, you're all legit, kid. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.